0: From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the Recruiting Trail. And all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hello, everybody. Thanks for jumping in. It is a Friday if you're listening to this when this is uploaded. I hope you had a good work week. And here we are in the Auburn Undercover podcast. nearing the end of the basketball regular season already. Basketball season season fly, seems to fly by faster than football season, doesn't it? I guess it's because football season takes up uh, the non-conference portion and of the uh, basketball schedule and all of a sudden basketball is an uh, SEC play and then then, then that's over. Uh, but uh, Auburn basketball is the story of the week so far. Uh, basketball team goes into Athens. Auburn was like a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, expected to win. I mean, listen, Georgia was 1-13 in the SEC, uh, but had played uh, the last three opponents, which mostly, for the most part, are all projected to go to the NCAA tournament uh, within a combined, like, six points, something like that. Auburn goes in, builds a 14-point lead, then watches it evaporate. You guys know the story. Auburn actually lost the lead. Georgia gained it, but Chumo Kiki broke the tie with I think 26.3 seconds left as the shot clock was expiring, with a high arcing three pointer to lift Auburn to a 78 to 75 victory on the road at Georgia. Um, not necessarily a must win, but uh, I would say that if they had lost that, they would have been on the NCAA tournament bubble. But they win it. Auburn stays off the bubble and looks at a, I guess, series of games now, these last three regular season games, where they're all really opportunities to improve their seeding in the NCAA tournament. They've got, listen to this, starting Saturday, three Quadrant 1 teams. And what is Quadrant 1? We've talked about this before. The NCAA's new ranking system that they've been using for the past couple of years, the net rankings, they take teams and put them in these quadrants. Quadrant one's the best, then quadrant two, quadrant three, quadrant four. Well, Auburn's played 10 quadrant one teams, but they're three and seven against those quadrant one teams. Um, The good news for Auburn is they're two and one against those quadrant one teams when they're at home at Auburn arena and Auburn gets two quadrant one games at home here near the end of the regular season and they must travel to another quadrant one team, and that's number forty-eight Alabama. But first up, Saturday is number twenty Mississippi State, and of course they end the season against the co-SEC champion that Auburn shared the SEC title with last season, number seven Tennessee. This is all net rankings, by the way. We're not going by AP rankings or anything because it's bracketology time. Um, Auburn that Georgia game, you know these last two games, Kentucky and Georgia. The Kentucky game just showed every weakness possible Auburn has. The Georgia game showed what can happen to Auburn in a maybe tournament environment, I would say, away from home, obviously. And secondly, what could happen to Auburn no matter what should it play a good opponent at home and does so with injuries mounting and foul trouble. Auburn went into that game without Austin Wiley, as you all know. The center has a lower right leg injury It aggravated and against Kentucky got re-aggravated, but re-aggravated is not a word, aggravated against Kentucky. And he's, I just don't see him being full health at all this season, whether it's an NCAA tournament, SEC tournament, or the end of the regular season. He's yet to score double digits in the SEC game. And quite frankly, I've said this since December and people think I'm stupid, but Hey, they're probably not wrong. Uh, I think Auburn plays better without him on the floor. That's just me. But Auburn went into that game and got into foul trouble. Four players had three fouls midway through the second half, actually earlier than that in the second half. And Malik Dunbar, who had started the last two games, had been inserted into the starting lineup, sat out with an abdominal strain. And Bruce Pearl, as of this recording, Still doesn't know if he's going to be cleared for the game Saturday against Mississippi State, and that's kind of scary because Auburn's rotation is suddenly dwindling. And Horace Spencer, who played a great game, I mean, he had those two huge putback dunks. He had a tip-in in in the final five minutes that was really big against Georgia. Um, But apparently he had a leg injury he was battling going into that game, and he aggravated it in the second half, had to limp to the bench, But he came back, of course, and had those three big baskets um, late in the game. But without Malik Dunbar, it suddenly affects things for Auburn offensively and defensively. And Georgia, credit Tom Crean, the coach, he really went after Auburn and their key players and get them in foul trouble in the paint because Georgia had the length uh, advantage. And they got Auburn in foul trouble early in the first half, I think two players uh, had th- uh, three fouls in the first half, and of course four ended up having three fouls by the midpoint of the second half, and that's when Auburn started slowing things down, and when they did that, the offense got out of sync. Georgia went on a, I think, 13-3 to run at one point, took the lead, and Auburn was just out of sorts, all, all kinds of out of sorts, but Auburn had to slow it down, one, to see how, to limit the defensive possessions, and two rest Jared Harper because he had to play every minute of that game practically uh, because he was playing so well and carrying the team, as he does seemingly every time they play Georgia now. I mean, he's averaging nearly 23 points a game against his home state Georgia team. And what was so great about that Georgia game, which we wrote about at auburnundercover.com uh, in our, my five takeaways, there's so many Georgia kids that were not recruited by Georgia that are now at Auburn. Bryce Brown, Jared Harper. Or, of course, the big guys that everybody talks about. But there's one player Georgia did recruit. And that was Chumo Kiki. And he instead, the Atlanta native, he instead chose Auburn over Georgia. And guess what? He, he hits the game winning shot last, uh, excuse me, Wednesday night. Just, uh, it's kind of interesting. Four straight wins against Georgia for Auburn for the first time since 1979. And Auburn takes the, uh, advantage in the series, 95 to 94. About as close as you can get. Almost like the uh, football rivalry. That's what makes rivalries great, the close back and forth. But you look ahead, Auburn's projected right now as a number 23 ranked team in the net rankings released by the NCAA as of Thursday night. Uh, Auburn's projected as a number 8 seed according to. Uh, uh, the bracketologists out there, I, I use this website called Bracket Matrix, where they take more than 100 brackets and they aggregate it, average it out. The average seating, Auburn's average seating is number eight, um, and they're about to host a team that's at whose average seating is a number six and approaching a number five seed, and that's Mississippi State. And this is a Mississippi State team Auburn had troubles with, as we know, and they lost on the road. But it's an opportunity. Should Auburn be able to knock off Mississippi State this coming weekend, Saturday at three o'clock, Auburn could improve its seeding. I think Auburn would easily jump from an eight to a seven in this aggregate. Say come next early early next week, and if they were to go on the road and beat Alabama at Alabama, I think they would hold on to that seven seed area. And if they were to beat Tennessee to end the season next Saturday, uh, a week from this coming Saturday. Auburn could potentially be a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament, which is a pretty good spot to be at um heading into this NCAA tournament. You don't want to be an eight or nine seed because you win your first game, then you have to play the number one seed, and you're pretty much dead in the water. Um And I would think Auburn would not match up well with any number one seed right now because, as I mentioned, the injury issues, and also Auburn just goes cold offensively when it's away from home at times. And credit them. They, they scored 50 points. You score 50 points. In any half, it's amazing. But to do so on the road at Georgia was great. But Georgia, not a great team this season, as we know. But Auburn struggled to score in the second half. They only had 38 points in the second half. They struggled to defend uh, at times. Things to watch. But I'm more concerned for Auburn about its depth right now and its foul trouble. And Auburn's got to have a third to fourth score in every game. And it just seems like they're doing it at home, mostly not really doing it on the road. I mean, even against Georgia, it was Jared Harper and Chuma Okiki and Horace Spencer chipped in some tip, tip ins from here and there. But they didn't have an active score like, like you would want because for Auburn to be as successful as it wants to be, Bryce Brown, Jared Harper, Chuma Okiki, and then a fourth guy need to be able to be consistent scorers. And that hasn't quite happened this season on the road yet. Now, That can very well happen. It should have happened last night, honestly. But Bryce Brown had a very, very off night. He was one of nine uh, from the field, uh, from three-point land, I should say. Did not do well. And he's a Georgia native. I think he was pushing things a little bit. Um, But Auburn pulls off the win. Whether it's one point, three points, 20 points, it's still a victory. And it did not hurt Auburn in the net rankings as they enter this Saturday game against Mississippi State, number 23 in the rankings, if you look at the Ken Palm rankings, KenPalm.com, uh, he does, like, projections based off computer models and all this. Auburn has a 50% chance or better uh, chance of winning each game on the schedule remaining. Uh, the lowest, of course, is 50%, and that's against Tennessee. Um, but we'll see. I would think Auburn's going to be a slight favorite favorite against Mississippi State Saturday, but you never know. Um It'll be interesting to see exactly Auburn would be would be a slight favorite against Mississippi State. Should be a good game, uh, but Mississippi State's a little bit more physical, and, and that's an issue for Auburn uh, as it has been uh, against these teams that are much more physical, like Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. So we'll we'll see uh, on the football scene. We saw on Thursday the. Uh, kind of silent promotion. <laughs> it, I mean, it was announced, but it was announced on Auburn's website. They didn't send out a press release or anything like that. I'm, I'm told it was kind of a mistake. They meant to send out a press release, but they didn't. But, uh, Travis Williams, Auburn's linebackers coach, you know, for, former, you know, linebacker at Auburn that everybody loves. Um, he has been promoted to co-defensive coordinator along with his linebacker coaching, uh, gig, which, People have been asking me, what does that mean? Does that mean he's a defensive coordinator in waiting? I, I think it's more or less to give him a little bit of a pay raise and an additional title on his resume. So he could go be a defensive coordinator, whether it's at Auburn someday down the road or or elsewhere. Um, definitely Travis Williams has earned a lot. Uh, in his position at Auburn since he moved up from being like a graduate assistant to being on staff just a few years ago. He's done a good job recruiting. He's done a great job coaching the kids at linebacker. And I think you saw that this past season and the year before with Daryl Williams and Deshaun Davis really just tearing it up. And I think what's going to be interesting to see is what he does this upcoming season with the group that um, were all backups last season that will have to be starters. But Auburn announced all of its staff changes along the uh, staff on the field and off the field. Most of these were reported already at auburnundercover.com in the previous weeks uh, through our own sourcing. Um, But off the field, there were two promotions. Brett Whiteside is now the Director of Football Operations and Administration. Sounds like he's taking on some of those roles that were left behind by Patrick Sudez. Uh, who left for Georgia Tech to be their "quote unquote" general manager for football uh, for the ACC school and Jarrell Bostrom, who uh, is former lineman here at Auburn, was on the national championship team. Uh, he they didn't actually give him an official title, which was interesting. They just say he's like involved in all player related activities. He's been here six years on Gus Malzahn's staff in various positions, and I, I don't know. Maybe he's just pick, he's picking up some more responsibilities. But it sounds like he's continuing to do pretty much what he's been doing, and that's just handling player stuff um, on the field – or, excuse me, off the field. Uh, But as far as promotions, that was it. Travis Williams, Brett Whiteside, Jarrell Bostrom. um, They officially announced Adam Herring as a defensive analyst to help with the linebackers, the former Auburn star himself. And, of course, they officially announced the other names that we have already reported at AuburnUndercover.com. Kendall Simmons – Helping with the offensive line, the former Auburn star and Super Bowl winner. Uh, Then also Addison Williams, who was a cornerbacks coach at Furman last season. He's now an analyst here at Auburn and, quote, this is what they described, assistant to head coach. So it almost sounds like Addison Williams is taking some of the Patrick Sudez um, job responsibilities and sharing them a little bit with Brett Whiteside. At least that's what it looks like on the outside looking in. I haven't been told that. In fact, The people I've talked to close to the program have been kind of confused about what everybody's responsibilities are going to be. But I guess that that was cleared up more or less Thursday when Auburn announced these uh, promotions and and additions to the staff. So in total, if you count additions to the staff, promotions, and then the the departures with the -the on-the-field coaching staff, graduate assistants, uh, uh, analysts, And and personnel, uh, such as recruiting coordinators and all that, or excuse me, I should say uh, director of recruiting, things like that, Um, there's been 18 total changes for Auburn. Uh, I should also mention, I forgot to mention, um, your recruiting coordinator for this upcoming year is going to be Marcus Woodson, the defensive backs coach for Auburn. I believe Larry Porter was a recruiting coordinator last year. Auburn, of course, has had back-to-back classes in the top 15, slightly below what they were doing in the first five years of the Gus Malzahn era when it was top 10 every year. Uh, But they were just outside the top 10 this past year and last year as well. They're trying to get back in that top 10 area. Well, We'll see what happens uh, with that. Uh, Meanwhile, in Indianapolis, Indiana, the NFL Combine starts its on-field workouts Friday. Uh, what will you hear about Auburn? Not much, because I don't believe any Auburn players will be uh, participating in on-the-field drills tomorrow. It's like special teams players and everybody in uh, an offensive lineman. Auburn doesn't have anybody up there. But Saturday's the day to watch, because that's the day quarterback Jarrett Stim and receiver Darius Slayton uh ryan davis they get a shot at showing off a little bit and there and a lot of eyes will be on will be on jared stidham and, um i don't think there's any question about that you know i i heard i saw one national analyst bruce feldman who's an incredible reporter um saying that all he, he jared stidham could really improve himself. So, you know his stock his draft stock this week while in indianapolis and you know, I know that's an easy talking point, and I guess I have to kind of disagree there because I, I don't see how a quarterback can improve their draft stock when teams take game film into more serious consideration than what a quarterback does without pads on, throwing against air, and then performing in agility drills at the Combine. That's just my opinion. And I've been to the Combine... I don't know, three times, maybe more. I can't remember. Two, three times. Um, unless you're an NFL reporter, this is a little behind the scenes for you. Unless you're an NFL reporter, a combine's kind of a waste of time because you go up there, you get to talk to the kids, you get to talk to, you know, you'll get to talk to Jared Stidham and all these people, but you're also sharing time with him with like 50 other reporters and everybody's asking pretty much the same questions or they're asking background stuff. Hey, did you talk to the Chiefs today? Did you talk to uh, the Dolphins? Um, It kind of gets bogged down by a lot of things, and it's really only an event for NFL reporters. So if you're a college reporter up there, I mean, I can understand like Alabama or some other school that has like 12 players up there, maybe you go talk to them, or you work on some other type of feature where you talk about the previous season, uh, with some of these players about moments that went wrong or went, went right. But for Auburn's sake, I just don't know what stories are there to be told. I mean, it. let's say Darius Slayton or someone um, just blows the doors off the 40-yard dash time or something like that. That's a story, but how much more are you going to get? You, you can report that off the television. You see it on TV. And a little, another behind the scenes thing for you. At the combine, they place the reporters, at least they did this when I was there, and I'm pretty sure that still remains the same. They place the reporters in the stadium, but they're not in the stadium. They're like in a concourse. We're sitting in a concourse area with tables, and you watch the combine on the NFL network on televisions around there. You don't get to watch on the field workouts. It's, comp- the, every window is blacked out so you can't see in there. So you're just watching it on TV and then hopefully after the players are done with NFL interviews with all these teams and then do their workouts, their medical checkups and Q&As and everything with these teams, they'll come in and talk to the media for like 10 or 15 minutes. That's all it is. It's very weird. And I can understand NFL reporters going to it because, one, they get to talk to coaches there. They get to talk to the general managers, the owners, like Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is famous for parking his RV right outside the stadium and welcoming the Talos Beat Riders onto his RV just to sit and chat. In fact, um, a few years back, um, I think it was 2014, uh, at at the NFL Combine, We went to uh, a restaurant, a famous restaurant up there. Uh, I think it's called St. Elmo's. It's a steakhouse. Um, So we went in there. Long story short, there was like a door near our table, but it was locked. No one was allowed to go in and out, said no exit or whatever, no entry. Well, Jerry Jones was allowed to use it to sneak out, and he literally timed it to walk out that door as his RV was pulling up, and he had to squeeze by our table, and he stopped by and, he put his hand on my back and another guy's back goes, hey, how you doing, guys? And turn around, it's Jerry Jones. Like, what the heck? And his RV's pulling up right there. He goes, you guys having a good night? Like, yeah, sure. And that was it. It's just a hodgepodge of NFL folks there that um I guess it would probably be similar to, you know, one of these, you know, Under Armour camps or whatever for high school kids. You know, you go there trying to figure out if any of these kids are, you know, uh, being recruited by Auburn and, and what their interest level is or whatever. And of course the NFL is professional and uh, they're, they're dealing more in, you know, black and white and, you know, well, this team's really interested in me or this team's not. And um, I don't know where I'm going to be drafted, but I'll be drafted somewhere. Um, here's the numbers I put up. Here's where I rank among all the other players among my team based off the numbers. Uh, but I don't know. Just as a college writer, I know I'm going on a rant here. It's just not worth flying up there and, and covering. I enjoy it. Indianapolis is a great town. I just, I don't know if I'd go up there. Anyway, uh, that's just, that's just me. But we'll be covering the NFL Combine from the comfort of my couch <laughs> and uh, Auburn Arena when I'm there covering the basketball game. Um, at AuburnUndercover.com, we'll keep track of the measurables and the 40-yard dash times and everything and and the agility drills and, of course, seeing what these players tell the media there, if, if anything, that uh, you don't already know. But we'll keep an eye on that. All right, let's get to some listener questions. We'll start off with a voicemail from our Auburn Undercover hotline. Which you yourself can call, by the way. And I, thanks to everybody who's been calling uh, the hotline. I, I, we need to come up with a name of it, don't don't you think? We haven't come up with a name of it for it, like something cool. Like you guys can call there and leave a hot take or a rant or whatever. We started last week. Had a few calls. Had a few calls this week too. But we're only going to play one here. But if you want to leave a message at any time, and we'll we'll probably use it on the podcast. Get your pen and paper out. Why did I say pen and paper? Most of you just type it in your phone. Uh, The number to call is 334-246-1552. Again, that's 334-246-1552. It's just a voicemail box. It goes straight to voicemail, and you leave your hot take, your question, whatever you want to discuss about Auburn Athletics. We'll put it on the air if you have a question We'll answer it. And our one voicemail message tonight as I record this on a Thursday night, uh, has to do with Auburn football. So let's get right to it. Enjoy the show. I've uh, been listening to y'all I've Got a couple of questions. Uh first question is uh I know Chandler Cox is has graduated and left. Um, do you really think that the uh the uh, transfer from Arizona State can come in and uh, take the starting H-back spot? You know, listen, they they recruited J.J. Wilson as a guy to come in and take that starting job. So my expectation is is he'll either be the starter or he's going to be playing significant minutes at the H-back position or somewhere else on the field, but I think it's going to be H-back. He's been recruited as an H-back. J.J. Wilson, out of Arizona State, um, he hasn't arrived yet at Auburn. I've been told it's going to happen in the summer. A lot of people are like, why didn't they announce him at the signing day back in uh, you know on w- the first Wednesday of February? Well, it's because he's not officially a signee yet, and they can't do that until he's actually signed. He's just a commitment for right now, even though he's in the transfer portal uh, that's been created by the NCAA. So, Whenever he arrives on campus, if he does arrive on campus, I mean, anything can happen. But I expect J.J. Wilson to compete and probably be the starter at back. He played linebacker most of his time at Arizona State, but the coaches uh, at Auburn believe that he's a true HVAC, a guy that could really help them uh, with Chandler Cox leaving. Because Chandler Cox has been a starter for four years at back. They haven't really had a lot to worry about there. And that's a bit of a concern going into the next season is what they're going to do at back and – they hope that JJ Wilson's the answer, and really there's no way to tell until he gets on campus, starts working out, and to be quite honest, till they start practicing in August. So we'll see, but their their belief is, is he's going to be the guy. All right, questions from Twitter now. At Kurt Time ninety eight asks What other sports writers work, any sport, do you enjoy reading or would recommend others to read because of your view their work as top notch? Well, I think the top guy out there is Wright Thompson. Uh, I believe he still works for ESPN. He barely, I mean, he rarely has a piece published because he's usually working on big, big, big stories. And also he does a lot of uh, video production for Auburn or Auburn, excuse me, for ESPN, their 30 for 30 series and SEC story series and other documentaries. But he's like the best sports uh, storyteller out there. And he always finds amazing angles that go beyond the field, of course. And it can also be very newsy in those stories. I remember his Johnny Manziel piece several years back that was really, really, really well reported. Um, beyond that, there's there's a lot of great writers that I read in the SEC. Nationally, I think Andy Staples is a, a great writer. Um, a lot of his work now just appears only in the magazine at Sports Illustrated, so it's hard for me to uh, to read that because I I read everything digitally pretty much. Uh, he does still write for their website But it's rare um, So I read, I read Andy Staples a lot Bruce Feldman when he used to write I read, I read him a lot He still does for The Athletic But I don't read it much Because he doesn't really do a lot of deep dive pieces anymore He's more or less just like a news breaking guy And then he does like some You know his freaks list Like fastest guys or, um, But it, you know I don't know and then there's other national reporters that I read, George Schroeder, who I'm friends with, who works for USA Today, Dan Wilkin, who does a pretty good job. Um, but to be quite honest, I mean, writers are dwindling on the national level. They just are. So, yeah. And to be quite honest, I'm not like, I'm not like a super freak sports fan. To be honest, you know, I I don't. You know, football I'll watch all day. doesn't matter. But, like, in my free time, I'm not watching the NBA. I'm not watching Major League Baseball. I'm not watching the NHL. Um, I'm doing other things, spending time with family, uh, reading other things, or watching movies, or um, what else am I doing? Uh, I don't why I really have a lot of free time playing games on my phone. Um, but th- those are the writers I like. Long story short, there you go. Uh, at stew five two two asks, is it just me or does Cody Burns seem like he's pretty damn good a pretty damn good receivers coach? They seem to be recruiting really well and playing better than they have in some time in recent years. I, I think he's a great recruiter. Uh you know, I hate to say this, but they're still I we'll see how good of a coach he is still when this first group he's had that he recruited goes all the way through the cycle through four years we'll see um obviously he came in and inherited some guys that um uh that he inherited from goodness gracious why am I forgetting his name Damian Craig and Kyle Davis and Nate Craig Myers end up leaving the team uh Eli Stove was hurt uh last season Will Hastings who wasn't a recruit per se he was a walk-on was hurt but Cody Burns has brought in a good group. Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, as we all know. Uh, Matthew Hill, who you haven't heard a lot about, but I think is going to be a pretty good star. Um, and then the guys they've got committed in the future and the ones that signed already. We'll see. Give Cody Burns, let's see what he does this year with this group, especially with a new quarterback, and next year as a coach before we start saying he's a really, really good receivers coach. because. We haven't seen really that big breakout receiver or, or two. We've seen flashes, especially from Flash himself, Anthony Schwartz, but that was as a as a fre- as a freshman. We'll see, um, but he's been doing a darn good job on the recruiting trail. I'll tell you that right now. Danny K 5 asks, would it be possible to have the football only facility built on the other side of the stadium, opposite of the jumbotron? Or that not be possible because of new renovations to locker rooms on the other side? The exposed steel isn't really flattering. Um, so you're talking about putting it up on the north end zone, uh, above, not above the north end zone, beyond the north end zone. There's really no space over there. Um, there's university buildings there. The, the layout just doesn't fit. It would be condensed. It's not a good central location to, well, it would be a central location, really, for the campus, it would be a pretty good spot, but I don't know. I think if they were to want to build there, which, by the way, they I have heard no word about them wanting to build there, um, it could be a good spot if they had the space, and also they were doing it in conjunction with a new north end zone. Uh, very similar to what, you know, I've mentioned it before, if you guys seen what Arkansas did, they, they tore down their north end zone. Uh, Or is it their south end zone? No, they tore down their north end zone in Arkansas, built a huge new uh, athletics complex museum and all this stuff, and, of course, erected new loge seating and and bench seating and all this stuff to expand the stadium. Uh, A big project that's been taking uh, taking them for like two or three years or whatever. Um, Maybe Auburn could do something like that with a football-only facility, but there's no that's not on the horizon in fact uh, as you guys probably read in my piece with alan green the auburn's athletics director last week uh, they don't quite know what they're going to do at jordan Hare stadium as far as renovations and their master plan that they're building right or putting together right now that they hope to have pieced together by august and if they do anything at jordan Hare stadium it's gonna be piecemeal together it's gonna be bit by bit by bit and none of that includes a football only facility in fact, they want to build a football-only facility within the next three years. And my best guess as to where they're going to put it is over there at the old track, over there across from the McWhorter Center and uh, behind the practice fields for football um, and adjacent to the uh, 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 Beardies Coliseum, over in that area. There's The big track area is really big. They can knock that road out easily. It's not really used much now. And it's close to the athletics complex, number one, and number two is close to the practice fields, including the indoor practice facility. So that's where I think it's gonna go. And as I've said on this podcast, I I think they're gonna build it within the next three years. It's it's gonna happen. And I know that sounds like a long time, but you gotta go through so many hurdles. You've gotta you gotta get the gotta get the fundraising going, number one, which they have been. Number two, you gotta, you know, go to the board of trustees and get several things approved. Over a period of time, and then you break ground. I think Auburn will break ground here in the next, you know, year, and then I think it'll be a two-year project. That's just my opinion and um, educated opinion from talking to Alan Green and others that they'll they'll uh, that's how they'll approach it. So we'll see, but I, I do not see them putting a football-only facility over anywhere near the the stadium. Um, I think they want to keep it near the dorm. Of course, um, and the athletics complex itself. So I think they're gonna, they're gonna, I think they're gonna build it over there at the old track. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, make sure and go back to and listen to our podcast earlier this week. The roundtable. We try to do one of those uh, every week where it's myself, Philip Marshall, Keith Niebuhr, and Ron Sanders, and we discuss all things Auburn. Get into debates give you some intel, some scoop, anything you want to hear, Um, and also take your questions uh, from time to time and play your voicemails like we did in this episode. So make sure to go back and check that out. Subscribe to this podcast, wherever you can find podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere. Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn. Go go and find us. Just go type in Auburn Undercover or Auburn Undercover Podcast and you'll find us. I'm Brandon Marcello. I'll see you guys down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover.